This is the Brisbane Football Review with your host, James Coglin. I-, I led with the chin on that one and got what I deserved. Scott Owen. There's a mute button, people, don't worry. And Adam Pace. <laughs> it's good to see that you're listening. Starting now. And for the second straight year, the Brisbane Raw are into the semi-finals of the Australia Cup, a competition which for so long brought a number of round of 32 exits. But the good news is that means we've got a whole lot more football coming up in the lead up to the A-League season. Hello, everyone, and welcome to an extended edition or special edition, I think we should call it, of the Brisbane Football Review in the aftermath of a big weekend of football here in Brisbane. It's James Scott and Adam with you. And uh, well, let's go to you first, Scott. The weekend kicked off at Perry Park in quite literal fashion with an absolute belter of a game between the Raw and the Western Sydney Wanderers. It was a massive weekend of football here in South East Queensland. We'll get to the rest of it later on. But with the Raw game, it was absolutely fantastic. The first time the Raw played a home game in what, since 2019 officially. I know they played Peninsula Power and Lions in 2021, I think that was. They were away games. The first home game for the club in almost five years in the Cup and a great atmosphere at Parc de Perry and a great performance as well. It certainly was, and uh, it, there was plenty for the, uh, I think, around about 4,000-odd fans. I don't know what the actual tally was in the end, but, um, Adam, you were one of the people that went through the gates of Parc de Paris, and uh, I think you were enjoying yourself there. Oh, look, I was, and, uh, yeah, and also a maiden home victory for the Raw uh, in in the Cups. So, so, yeah, no, it was a good night, and... It just really, it really felt like you know, football is back, uh, and yeah, it's one, one of the, sort of the, the better sort of recent times. You know, at a, at a raw at a raw game, I think uh, the crowd looked like they were they were in all, you know, all four and a half thousand of them. Yeah, it certainly wasn't. It just showed, you know, Perry Park. It still can host football events. Few issues uh, on the night but they're all nitpicks compared to the main event, which was the Australia Cup. And that is what we're going to review on this edition. We're recording two episodes today because the NPL season wrapped up last night, which is why we're all a little bit, well, let's call it for what it is, exhausted after a mammoth day at Suncorp Stadium. But this episode is all about the Australia Cup. So we may as well start off with the action. And, uh, yeah, they're all got a home tie against Western Sydney, which was awesome for us because – it gave us something to do on a Saturday afternoon. And Scott, Perry Park, logical choice, uh, I suppose, considering the other options. And the kickoff got moved back to 5.30. And it, it set up for a spectacular night. The crowd was buzzing. And there, one thing that struck me as well, I got there about 4 p.m. because I was filling in for uh, Hinksy on the ground announcing for the night. Uh, well, at least from kickoff. He got to do the pregame stuff. But um, what struck me is getting there hour and a half before kickoff, there was already a line out onto, I want to say, Folkestone Street near the uh, club yeah. entrance, which I, I cannot imagine that happening over the last five or so years. Yeah, firstly, apologies to all the listeners and the people in attendance having to listen to you on the on the ground announcing at the game. But you're right, it, we got there like an hour and a half before kickoff, and you're right, there were already uh, people there waiting to get in the gates. It was, uh, it was clear that the optimism that's been built through the the camp through the Australia Cup campaign in the preseason is resonating with with the Brisbane Raw fan base because they were out and about really early on and you know it was something you didn't really see that at Redcliffe did you people didn't turn up that early 
at Reckless, which was probably the other option of where you might have played this game because Ballymore's not ready yet and Suncorp's too big a ground for an Australia Cup quarterfinal. So Park de Prix was the perfect location. And I think the fan base, it did resonate with them. And if you look ahead, there's quite possibly going to be a number of A-League women's matches at that ground. If that's the sort of atmosphere you're going to get in those matches, James, with with a 4,500-person crowd, it's going to be a great venue for for the Raw this season. And it, it did resonate really nicely. And even thinking back to the A-League women's matches last year, or, yeah, last year and the year before, the 2 p.m. games in stifling heat with a 1,000-odd people there, even that had a decent atmosphere as well. So you can only imagine, you know, post-World Cup, the improved feeling around the club. And, yeah, it it was great. You know, Saturday night at Perry Park, or just a local ground in general, the number of people who actually I know of that said, ah, Perry Park, Saturday night. I might actually go to that. And some even followed through on those suggestions as well, Adam. Yeah. And what, what struck me as well, and what I think felt sort of very different, I think you bring up a good point in the sort of the, the glow of the post-World Cup, is that seeing a lot more lot more sort of uh, children, a lot more sort of, you know, teenagers going to the game, you know, dressed up in, you know, either raw gear or even, you know, in, in just, you know, European, you know, kits as well and uh, look I think that might be sort of the, the real sort of effect now of it is that it is becoming a lot more acceptable I think you know the sort of the, the parlance of it seems it's almost quote cool for, for that for the kids of that age to be going to to the football supporting um supporting the roar and, and and supporting football in general I think that's the, that's the main thing that I, I sort of got out of it is that uh, it's not just the uh the junior the junior players have been forced along by their parents I think it's actually uh in in the aftermath of the World Cup it's almost what do you use the word acceptable that yeah you know, you're getting a lot younger audience and that that is now that's probably the most positive thing I think that is is come out of this is that you know it's it's not the usual sort of go you know, old soccer crowd like you, you you did have you know the RBB show up and remind us on, on you know of some why we can't have nice things from time to time but uh, but but yeah look but even even they they provide atmosphere it's just they went a little too far as usual but but yeah that's the main thing is I think the the demographic seems to be shifting a little bit and long that may continue because I think that's going to be very very important um in this in the season ahead as we continue on you know as we get further further away from the end of the uh, World Cup and not to harp too much on this as well but it kind of feels a little bit back to 2006 where you had that sort of new wave of fans coming through which I I admit I was only really just starting to get into football in that 04 05 06 period and now it's that same sort of people who are, you know, teenagers now having that thing going, oh, this could actually be a lot of fun seeing, you know, the absolute peak of the game with the World Cup and getting right down to the grassroots with the local games as well. But I also think one of the things that really has helped the Raw is the change in management as well. And you see, you know, without going into too much detail of the behind the scenes stuff, but seeing the things that Zach Anderson and Casper Tafta were doing pre-game, just helping out just around the ground as well, making sure things were going as smoothly as possible because this was a game thrown together on relatively short notice because of the rapid fire nature of the uh, national stages of the cup, just seeing them going, yeah, right, let's get involved and let's make it fun. And I think that's what has been missing for God knows how long where they've just come in and said, this is going to be fun. 
this is going like we want people to remember the event as much as the game. And I, I was think going to say, just sorry, I just want to jump in there. And as Scott would know, talking to a lot of um, club presidents, MPL level as well, is that and and even when when we ask the age old question, oh, when they qualify for the next round, oh, what would you rather? It's funny that yes, the, that basically that a lot of the players and a lot of those, those officials say, oh, we want an away game, because there is a lot of work, especially in a short amount of time, to get a home tie um, organised. And it looks like it's, it's probably, it's no different, uh, even at the professional A-League level, to to those, to those, um, those clubs that, you know, the, the member federation clubs trying to put put together. Because at the end of the day, the Raw still have to face the same sort of challenges at a venue like Perry Park. It's a lot easier on short notice to organise, you know, a tie at, say, for example, at a Suncorp Stadium, because everything is there for them. So, so I think that's I think that's the one thing I think it, as well as you said that's that's important is that yeah the change of management and it just seems to be a just a different vibe in the end. It's just, I think the word optimism I think is starting to come back and it's been a long time since it's, it feels like that the that the supporter base has had that that optimism. Yeah, and even just like it, it's I, I'm trying to think of the right way to say this, but talking to people after the game as well and you just hear that like. Like, there's something about this group as well. Like, I'm not, again, I'm not going as far as saying, you know, they're going to win the title or anything, but they're going to be good if this keeps up. And let's talk about the game as well, because we are trying to keep this somewhat uh, brief because we've got uh, NPL Grand Final Day to wrap up as well. Uh, check your podcast feeds for that coming up soon as well. But the game itself, it got off to a rough start. And I, I have to admit, I was nervous. I was thinking the Wanderers were going to find a way to win after belting the daylights out of Adelaide United in the last round. It was 5-1, I'm pretty sure, Scott. They did belt Adelaide United rather convincingly. It was a very, very convincing performance. But Wanderers team who, as Adam likes to say, have won the off-season once again with their recruitment spree. But it looks like they're actually playing some really good football. And they took the lead in this game and got down the Raw's left-hand side defensively. Their right-hand side with a nice goal through Antonson in the end. And he thought, OK, well... The Wanderers, they beat Adelaide quite well. They might be able to come up here and go on from there. But after that point, James, the Raw were fabulous. They were brilliant in that game. from that And that's the one difference from last year's cup run to this year's. They're playing a lot better football in this cup run. I know they're at the same stage now playing a team in the semifinals with a similar similar name. But, but they're playing better football now. And the way they played in this game at Perry Park on Saturday was absolutely spectacular. It was, and just the confidence that they were moving the ball around with. There was only one change, I'm pretty sure, from uh, when they beat Sydney United in the yeah, last round. Yeah, never came in for Truen. Yeah, so just the one change then as well. But you can see the cohesion as well. Louis Zabala filling in at left back for uh, Corey Brown. He's doing a job. Um, but for me, the star of the cup run from the Raw's perspective has been Henry Hoare. He has just been absolutely superb, and he's taking a lot of the pressure off the likes of Jay O'Shea, who in the past has been left to do it pretty much all himself. And yeah, Henry Hall was pretty pivotal, uh, but it was Carlo Armiento that got the uh, first goal for the Brisbane Raw, Adam. Yeah, it was uh, yeah, Carlo Armiento that uh, got going on the far post, pretty much unmarked after Jack Hinger uh, got, very, got very, very deep and uh, was able to cross pretty much a byline, beat everyone, including Lawrence Thomas. And yeah, left, left-footed into the, um, into the net. And that was, um, and that equalised. And then 
and then he turned provider to to give to give the Royals lead a fabulous ball for uh, Thomas Waddingham. Who I, I you say Henry Hall has been a star. He's another one that's uh, worthy worthy of a mention in this Royal Cup campaign because for an eighteen year old kid to be doing what he's doing right now, I think is simply superb. And I think we've known for a while he is very very good, but I don't think we're now wildest dreams. We thought that he'd come to this level so quickly where. Look, you got you got to say that you know, no matter who they sign, you know that there's a talk about they're still going to sign a a striker. Is that um, that yeah, Thomas Waddingham? You think starts starts in the opening uh, game of the league season? He'll start, yeah. he'll start the semi final. I know that much. Yeah, for sure. And um, just as, these are the sorts of games you would expect uh, Waddingham to really struggle in because he's. Uh, He's 18. Like he's still physically developing, and any side coached by Marco Rudan are going to have big bullies at centre backs. And Waddingham held his own. Funny story. I came very close to actually calling out an Armiento goal because I almost missed the flick on from uh, Waddingham, and thought uh, he'd just. I thought Armiento had just put it in from a uh, long way out and just wrong footed the keeper. But then I saw Waddingham wheeling away and the side going to him. I was like, he scored. That's a great clue, isn't it? But- with Waddingham, it's not only the goal he scored, which was another really well-taken goal. And again, it's the sort of service. He didn't really get that sort of service in the MPL side. He was more running at players and finishing. This is actual like people crossing it and setting him up and getting on the end of it. So it's another string to his bow. But to your point, Adam, he's being marked by Marcelo here, mm. who's probably one of the best defenders in the league. He was certainly one of the Wanderers' yeah. best last year. And he's, he's not just holding his own. He's having an impact in the game, in what, what should have been a really tough game and probably was a tough game for him. So that's a great sign that he can absolutely make a, a serious contribution to this team this year, regardless of whoever they bring in. We've seen rumours they're bringing in MPL Victoria strikers, in rumours they're bringing in international strikers. Whoever they bring in, Tommy Waddingham is proving he can play a big, significant part in the season ahead. I can confirm they're not bringing in me to play striker. Just putting that out there now. Nor me. Or, or... Adam, maybe. <laughs> I don't think oh. so. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, but, but yeah, oh, right um, now, it, look, as I say, it doesn't matter who they're going to bring in. We know a striker is coming. Uh, we actually, look, we know there's a striker there that's about to be announced. But, um, but yeah, look, at the moment, Thomas Waddingham is your, is your, you know, leading your line at the moment. I think, I think he's earned that right. And uh, at least, for, at least for this um, upcoming semi-final. And I was going to make a joke saying I'm pretty sure I could at least match the goal tally off, but I wasn't sure which former Raw striker uh, whose name I wanted to throw under the bus. Zhang Yuning. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but on, on that as well, I do have one nitpick that I need to get out of the way with Waddingham. 15 for a striker. I think he needs a new kit number for the A-League season. Just just throwing it out there. Well, what would you suggest? Well, I can't give him nine if they're bringing in a new striker, so I have to double-check what's still available. Doesn't matter. No, but I'm obsessive about these things. Well, nine is probably gone, and 99 is gone. So, what do you want to give him? So, it's, it's a separate question. And Jack Hingard's got number 19, so uh, yeah. not a lot of options there for him. Plus, he's a Brisbane boy, a Queensland boy, Tommy Waddingham. He's taking over the Matt Mackay number. It's perfect. Okay, there we go. Okay, I can make my peace with that. Yep. I'm trying, yeah, and I'm also actually genuinely struggling to think what other numbers are available at the moment. If only someone had a database of those numbers. I can't scramble to open it that quickly, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I, I was hinting at that, but um, yeah, I'm trying to think. 23's taken. 
I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, no, I don't know. Well, look, I don't think it matters. Is Christmas number 15 is having a massive impact so far? Long may it continue. Indeed, and the impact of the roll continued into the second half, and when the Wanderers leveled it to a piece, what jumped out at me was just the fact that the roll came right back and went bang, bang, game over. Like, they... You think of how often in the in the last few years, dating back to even like the 2019-18-19 season, uh, where you know they can see that goal, it goes to two-two, and you think, okay, well, best case scenario, it's holding on for a draw here. But they just went, all right, we'll stuff it. We've got to score more goals, and they did. And Joey Coletti with a pretty spectacular effort as well to match what was, I'll give him his credit, Jack Clisby, arguably the goal of the night, but uh, yeah, Coletti and Hoare popped up and it was the raw all the way at him it was yeah no you got to go give credit to uh, jack clisby's strike that was uh that, that gave macklin freak no chance um but yeah you, you're right i think that's that, again this is this is uh for, this is this raw side under uh, ross helowitzy there wasn't panic it was just okay they've leveled you now with a spectacular goal let's go back to what was what was winning us this game and it proved instant results and i think I think this is this is what we're dealing with with this this squad under Ross Alawizzi that there's a level of resolution. It's not to bag previous teams, but it seems as though that whatever is different, whatever belief and what they're working on in training, it seems to be working because uh, Scott brought up before about you know, the comparison of this year's cup run versus last year's cup run. This has been a lot more. Uh, clinical from the raw, like they they have very rarely looked like they've been in a in any real bother. Even other than you know, seeing the first goal in this game, and they and they came roaring back inside ten minutes of that, and the stalemate in in Maitland, the raw in the in this in this campaign have looked have looked excellent at, at times. Whereas last year's campaign, even though it was, it was a run, it was basically a run of. Uh, member federation clubs with Adelaide United in Adelaide being the, sort of the only sort of real real test, they did seem to struggle. And it, it finally caught up with them against uh, Sydney United. I think they go into the semi-final with absolute confidence. And look, you think that, they, that they'll definitely you know, fancy themselves the favourites to, to um, go one better this time. They will probably talk about that in a minute, James. But just back to the goals in the second half for the Raw. The fourth goal is actually the most interesting to me because Tommy Wadding had just been replaced by Florent Berenguer. And that was a interesting thing for me to see how he was going to integrate into the team. It seemed like he and Henry Hall were like floating between the number nine, number 10, bit of a false nine dropping off sort of thing. And they combined beautifully for that, for that fourth goal. I'm not sure if it's going to be something we're going to see a lot of this year, seeing both Hall and Berenguer in the same team or if they'll play minutes in the same sort of a role. But... They combined beautifully in that moment. That was a, a really well-worked goal. It wasn't a 25-yard screamer of Jack Clisby, but it was a well-worked team goal. It's the sort of stuff you is more sustainable than the long-range stunners. As much fun as they are to see in person, like those sorts of well-worked goals are the things that are going to be a team's bread and butter if they're going to have any sort of sustained success. Well, it's one thing we noted as well that uh, that uh, yeah, Florian Berenger almost at times played as a false nine, and we're, we're not probably not used to seeing much of that in the A League. And his his time at Melbourne City, he was mainly deployed as as a winger, sometimes played centrally. But uh, if this is another string to the bow that he can play a false nine, even if he starts in sort of that midfield as that as that crowd playmaker next next to or just in front of Jay O'Shea. And then and then can you know then can 
then transitioned out and actually played the last few, you know, last, say, 20 minutes in that role and really sort of create opportunities. I think it's, 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 it turns into a very, very, um, very tantalising prospect for the Raw that you know, they've got a, they've got a couple of uh, different ways they they can play it, especially you know, how they start to uh, the, the, the side that finishes and closes the games out. It certainly is, and they they were able to close it out in four two. And I th- I think the thing that I enjoyed the most was the fact that the final ten minutes just felt like a procession almost. Like I think the Wanderers sort of realised that. If they if if they if the Raw needed to, they still had that energy in the tank to go into. And yeah, it, it was just a really good all-around showing, and I, I'm really enjoying it. It was great. I may have almost lost my voice on the fourth goal for the Raw, but either way, it was worth it. Scott? Well, you nearly did, but in boxing parlance, they'd taken the best punch from the Wanderers, James, and they'd seen it off. And that was the most pleasing thing, because again, going back to it, Adelaide, who have been in the preliminary finals back-to-back years in the last couple of years, they got soundly beaten by the Wanderers in the previous round, and now the Raw have pretty comfortably beaten the Wanderers. Now, it's the cup, and it's not apples to apples, but that's really the most encouraging thing. They took a, they took on one of the, the sides that a lot of people think are going to be right up there this year, and they beat them, and they beat them comfortably. That's the most pleasing thing about it. They're not, they didn't just scrap through this game, you know, lucky deflection here, some sort of, like, miss... Um, controversial moment there it was a genuinely uh, impressive form so they beat beat a side who i think a lot of people are going to be tipping in the top two for the a-league when predictions come out in a couple a couple of weeks time i expect the wanderers will be right up there in a lot of people's estimations so for the raw to beat them and beat them that well guess at home that's the most pleasing thing about it in, in addition to all the all the other stuff we've spoken about without a doubt and one final thought on just the overall setup there and I think sometimes you do just need that fresh voice to come in. I think like comparing it to uh, Warren Moon, he came in, he had early success, but I think just sometimes it runs out, you know, it's so different than if you're in a job, you're there for a few years and just things eventually get to the point where it's like, no, I need, I need to move on or we need a fresh voice. And it just got to that stage and Aloisi is giving them that fresh voice. And it seems like they've all massively bought in and, yeah, Ross is doing a great job as well, and I don't think there's a, a whole lot we can really complain about with the way things are tracking. And I don't think we can complain too much about the semi-final draw as well, which is the other point uh, we've got to get to, where the Raw are going on the road again, because, you know, two home games in a row, not not, not really a thing. But uh, they are taking on old friend of the podcast, Ben Khan, and his new side, Melbourne Knights. We still haven't quite forgiven him for moving down to our Victoria, but they qualified in pretty epic fashion on Thursday night, Adam, and I think we're going to have a pretty tantalising tie on our hands. Oh, so many narratives to this game, other than the fact it is a Australia Cup semi-final. Uh, so that, that's first and foremost, but uh, yeah, Ben Khan finally gets gets a shot at Brisbane Raw, and also as well, it's the they're calling it the, the horse semi-final. And that's H-O-R-E for those that being a, an audio. Uh, if you're transcribing this, yes. <laughs> as, yeah, and, as, uh, yeah, Henry Hoare. Henry Hoare takes on Mitchell. And uh, to be honest, uh, and Scott and I were talking about this, that we think that Mitch Hoare is probably going to be the favourite for the Mike Cockrell medal as, as the member federation player of the tournament. So, look, this is a, this is a huge battle. And, um, yeah, I, I think this is, this is a grand occasion. So, 
yeah, it's it's certainly not done yet, but uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a fascinating one. I have one question for you, Scott. Uh, how do you think Ivan Franic is feeling as well? Because his uh, return fixture against the Raw, well, his second actually return fixture against the Raw with an NPL side, is kind of getting a bit of uh, underplayed at the moment, considering the Ben Khan and the Hoare brothers narratives. I was going to say Ivan Franic is in that Melbourne Knights. Mm. Time. He'll be probably happy just to slide under the radar and from <laughs> his perspective, maybe pop up with the winner and then get the headlines afterwards. That'd probably be his dream scenario now. But you know, it's Mitch versus Henry Hoare in the... In the Australia Cup semi-final, Ben Khan, also Corey Sewell, the Queenslander, is down there as well. So plenty of Queensland connections at the Steve Melbourne White. Knights. Steve White as well, absolutely. So there's a lot of Queenslanders down there at the Melbourne Knights. They've played really well in this Cup run, actually. The way they overcame Heidelberg in the in the last round was really, really impressive. So that'll be a tough matchup down there. And it's a, a big weekend down in Victoria, actually, because you've got Queensland versus the Southern Conference on, on the Saturday, and then probably this game on the Sunday, so a big, big weekend down there, and we'll see what happens. It's a, it'd be, it'd be great. Look, we hope the Raw can get through after what happened last year in the semi-final. You would hope that doesn't happen again, but it'll be a great semi-final either way. It certainly will, and I'm actually just uh, quickly checking before we sign off uh, if the match details have been announced yet. We know it will almost certainly be next weekend. I'm guessing Sunday, considering. Um, the Raw want as much rest as possible after their midweek trip to Coffs Harbour, but that is just a, a guess on my part. Because um, Wednesday to Saturday would Newcastle, be Newcastle Jets in Coffs Harbour in a A-League preseason friendly on yeah. in midweek. Yes, that's right. Um, so, yeah, my, my guess will be Sunday, and you can catch all that on 10 play, whenever it is, because we don't know. And the other semi-final will be Melbourne City and uh, Sydney FC, because uh, those annoying people at Sydney FC robbed us of a possibility uh, of an Aloisi derby in the final as well. So we'll just have to wait till the A-League season starts for the first proper competitive Aloisi derby. So that's going to be it for this special Australia Cup review edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Scott. Good to talk to you again, James. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, thank you. Good night. And we are going to leave you with the post-game interview with Ross Aloisi, which... Uh, yeah, it was a very happy Ross Aloisi post-match. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned to our podcast channel as well. We've got the NPL Grand Final Day uh, review coming up as well. In the meantime, here's Ross Aloisi. Ross, 4-2 win into the semi-finals. You've got to be pretty happy with that, even if it was a bit of an exhausting game. Yeah, no, very excited for, for the playing group and, and also for the supporters because it was uh, a tough game, good performance against the very, very strong side in the City Wonders. So... Um, always uh, happy when, when you win, especially at home. And speaking of playing at home, that was the first home tie for the Raw since 2019. How was it playing at Perry Park? Yes, it was good. I mean, the, the facility is sensational. The field outstanding. You know, we uh, really want to thank the Brisbane Strikers as well for, for helping us out and, and uh, being so accommodating as well for us. And it was uh, it was just great being here and, and uh, playing in front of our supporters, to be honest. And on the game as well, it was end-to-end, back and forth. Uh, how do you feel the attacks played, especially Tommy Waddingham? It was very hard for an 18-year-old uh, boy, I shouldn't call him a boy, a man, um, to... Uh, to head our, uh, our first line basically um, but yeah it was a little bit end to end there was a couple of times that we got caught out um, when they played to us but they were a good side that's always going to happen but to come from behind um, and win the game 
uh, 4-2 and, and you know, without being silly about it, we probably could have had or should have had a couple more goals um, as well. So it was a good performance all around and, and uh, you know, very, very proud of the playing group. And first minutes for Florian Berenguer in a competitive setting. Uh, is that a sign of what we can expect from him coming into the season? We're going to get better uh, better signs of him uh, to come. He uh, he actually changed the game when he came on. He controls the game. And he's so, such an intelligent footballer and so fluid. It's it's really beautiful to watch. But, you know, he, he's playing within our uh, playing style. And and uh, he, he really showed tonight what, what uh, you know, just glimpses of what we can expect. What's that the most complete performance your side's had so far this season? Most complete? Uh, yeah, there's been a couple of other games that we've been uh, pretty good, but I'd say tonight, you know, especially being a quarter-final against a, a very strong side, a very strong side with very good players, was uh, a pleasing performance, that's for sure. It's like struggling to score goals last year. They scored a lot of goals this year. That must be something that really pleases you so far this year, the number of goals they are scoring. Yeah, considering that we haven't got a, uh, a more experienced out-and-out striker, you know, we're relying on, like I said, an 18-year-old man, um, you know, who's uh, leading our line. It's uh, it's pleasing, but that's the football that we're playing as well. We want to play in the opposition half in and around the penalty area. We work towards that in training every single day, and, and you know, a lot of forward movement, and we create uh, create a lot of goal-scoring opportunities. Looking ahead now, you've got the semi-final in a couple of weeks' time. I imagine you'd like a home tie here once again against another A-League side? Yeah, we'd love that, especially for our preparation going into uh, the A-League season. It would be fantastic to have another another game and uh, hopefully it would be a, a sellout uh, next time. I think the supporters can see the football that we're playing and it's exciting to watch. And, and uh, you know, whoever we come up against, it doesn't matter, but it would be great to have it here at home against another A-League side. And a trip to Coffs Harbour coming up in the next few days as well. We look forward to that. Yeah, it's going to be good for the playing group as well. Some of the players that haven't been playing as much will get minutes as well. So, uh, you know, that was done uh, earlier on in pre-season, uh, organised with the, I think it was the council up there. So, um, you know, we're very excited to go. And, and it also gives the playing group an opportunity to bond uh, a little bit more as well. And a final question from me. Special guest in the house tonight, Tim Cahill, gets a chance to have a chat with him. Yeah, I did. I uh, spoke to him before the game and, and I also spoke to him after the game. And uh, he was very complimentary on the way the team played and on a couple of the players as well. And uh, he said he could say he really enjoyed watching the game and the way the team played. So, uh, look, we know the way we want to play. And it's always nice when you get uh, footballing royalty complimenting the team. Um, but more importantly, it's for the players because the players are the ones that, that go out there and 